Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. We believe that dads matter, and that's why this podcast is for you. So gear up, dads, and get ready. It's time to start climbing. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm George, and I'm joined with the typical crew here tonight of Brandon, Justin, and Dustin. And tonight we have a very special guest, Mason Sawyer. Um, we're going to get into his story. I will preface with saying that uh, this episode will be pretty emotionally uh, heavy. Uh, so fair warning, you know, if you're not really in a, in a mood to kind of work through some, some very real uh, and challenging um, history, um, you know, you've been warned. But uh, Mason, we are very appreciative of you taking the time. This is your second podcast of the day coming on as a guest. So you're, you're doing overtime. Um, and I think I kind of speak for all of us here when we say that when we heard about your story and, um, you know, the impact that you've been able to make with, with your experience and taking your own podcast forward and, and touching lives that way um, is, is very impressive and inspiring. And we're thankful to kind of have this time with you tonight. Um, I'll just very briefly summarize, you know, kind of your story at a very high level and then let it, we'll turn it over and just let you kind of walk us through. But, uh, you know, Mason... Uh, I won't go into the details of, of the accident and everything, but he runs a podcast now called the 1090 Podcast. Uh, it's spelled out one zero and then N-I-N-E-T-Y podcast, uh, and their website is the1090.com. Highly recommend you go and uh, check them out, subscribe to it. I think you guys have a newsletter. Um, you're on Spotify. You're basically on all the major platforms. So um, I've already listened to about like seven episodes, really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And without further ado, we'll just turn it over to you, Mason. Um, if you know, introduce yourself and, uh, just give us your story and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Thanks guys. I think, uh, we were just chit chatting a little bit before he came on. I think what you guys are doing is so cool and it's scary to talk. <laughs> it just is, especially for guys. It's, it's hard to open up and admit that you're weak in some areas and you need help in some areas. So I think you guys creating this space for, uh, dads is really cool. So thank you for, uh, thank you for having me on. Thanks for thinking of me. Usually Sam comes on with me, uh, my buddy, the co-host at 1090 podcast, but yeah, he got, he get, he's, he has twin girls, just had a, a new baby. He's caught up in a lot, so we'll let him off the hook, but I'm, I'm yeah. extremely grateful to be on your podcast. So thank you very much. Glad well, we appreciate here. it. Glad to have yeah, you, man. Course, yeah. We're yeah. sorry Sam can't join, but I think you know, we all understand, of course. Yeah. Uh, you, you'll, you guys will just have to come back again, you know, in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> I won't argue with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I wanted to start the 1090 podcast. We get, we call it the 1090 podcast because there's a quote. Um, there's different versions of the quote, depending on who you pull up on Google, I guess. But uh, Lou Holtz, a famous football coach for Notre Dame, he has a quote that says, Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% what you're going to do about it. Um, and that's just, uh, that's a quote that I've taken to heart since the traumatic event I've been in. Right. And, um, you know, trauma is, trauma sucks. It, it's a, it's a shitty thing. Um, it's kind of like, but it is a gift. Trauma is a gift. It's like a crappy gift that you get from your aunt. It's like when your aunt gives you a calendar, <laughs> what am I going to do with this? But it's still a gift. And what I've learned is if you face it head on, like as bad as it is, there's so much 
so many valuable things you can get from it. So many opportunities it can give you to help other people. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's what I've been trying to do with it. Yeah. So I, I love, <clears throat> I love that the, you guys took that quote and ran with it. Um, you know, and it, it, right yeah. away, I think it's not very hard for people to figure out why that makes a lot of sense for the podcast that you and Sam both run. Um, you know, hopefully we can have Sam back in the future and, and hear his story as well. But, um, I think I speak for all of us here when we have a great deal of respect for um, your guys' willingness to be very open um, about your experiences and challenges. Um, and I agree, there's not enough of that out there today, right? There's all there's lots of negativity. There's lots of, um, you know, all the bad things sell on the news, right? But there's not a lot yeah. of people getting out there and um, being real and transparent and, you know, genuinely trying to help people with their experiences to, to collectively kind of just improve. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there was a, a couple couple podcasts that we did on our podcast with Sam. We inter- interviewed this guy named Brad, and he had a cool quote. Brad has a, he wrote a book. He he lost his brother to a drug overdose, um, but Brad had a cool quote in his book called "Ride in Paradise," and he said, "You know, everyone everyone knows that you know if you have a a light or a gift or a talent or a skill, like let your light shine, like share that with other people." To, to improve the world. And he said, so we all have a light that we need to let shine, but we also have darkness too, right. that we've got to talk about. And no one talks about that part. Right. And that's, that's trying to what we're doing. That's part of the reason we started a podcast is let's talk about some of the darkness we have too. Yeah. So, and yeah. You know, when you were talking backstage too, that, you know, men typically we isolate, right? We don't, it's not inherent for us to think, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be so manly. I'm going to talk about, you know, my struggles with other men. Right. It's, it's almost counterintuitive, yeah. but um, yeah. So I think Justin had, has something he wanted to throw in here. Yeah. So uh, it's funny. You said that man, like uh, I'm a big fan of David Goggins. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with who he is. I, he, he has a phrase that he says, um, he says, embrace the suck, but uh, go into the darkness and that's where a lot of people find who they truly are is in the darkness. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate you, man. I know you're about to go through the storm, as you call it, uh, with your story. Uh, but I just wanted to say I appreciate that you're willing to share that side of the darkness and, and the, the things that you've been through, man. So I, I just personally want to say thank you. No, thank you. I Talking, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to be dramatic, talking has it saved my life maybe, or at least greatly improved it. Um, and one of the things I've learned about talking about some really heavy stuff that you need to talk about is it's a form of acceptance. That's you beginning to accept what has happened to you. If you never talk about it, man, you're just running away from it. And just real quick before I tell you about the night of the accident, but when I was when I when I was making my podcast with Sam, we wanted to have an intro, and we're new to this thing. We have no, we have no idea what we're doing. Like we've right. never like podcasting. Like we're, we're just beginners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I have this idea. I'm like, well, I want the intro to tell him about what happened to my family. So on July 25th, 2021, I lost my wife Courtney, my son Riggins, my daughter Frankie, my brother Race, and my nephew Ryder in a car accident. And I wanted to create some type of intro in my podcast. So if someone tuned into episode 20, they'd, they'd understand where, like where I was coming from. And so I was in my basement alone with this microphone 
And out loud, I just said it over and over and over again. I'm Mason Sawyer. On July 25th, 2021, I lost my wife. I, and I and I kept saying it over and over again because I'd cry or I'd mess up or I'd be too energetic or I'd not have enough energy. And I just, I said it out loud over and over and over again, crying and crying. No one was even there, guys. No one heard me. No one even heard it. But just saying it out loud, it helped me. It just made me feel a little better. I don't I can't I can't really explain to you why, but it did. Just just talking about it helps, man. So yeah. Uh I'm I'm honored to be on here and I'll I'll answer whatever question you got, man. I'm on a mission to help people. So yeah, that's awesome. where I'm at right now. All right. Well, if you don't mind, if you can kind of take us back, um, you know, so it's only been what, almost just a year and a half, a little bit. Yeah, like 18 months. So, so. so we're talking very recent, um, and you already get the high notes. But, uh, man, I listened to your yeah. episode, and I was just – I was sitting here at my desk working and kind of listening to my earbuds, and <laughs> I had to stop working. <laughs> so yeah, and can you take so, us back and, and start ex- explaining what really happened and everything? Yeah. Um, I met my wife, Courtney, when I was 15 in high school. And we just, I love basketball growing up, man. So I never planned on having a girlfriend because I just wanted to play ball. But I met this girl, Courtney, and we started hanging out and I just kind of kept falling for her. Um, and then Courtney and I, we won the award in high school, most likely to marry your high school sweetheart. We just, we just kind of had a special thing from the get go. Um, I get a I get a scholarship to go play basketball at this school in southern Utah called Dixie State. It's now called Utah Tech, but so I was playing basketball at Dixie State. Courtney got into the nursing program at Dixie State. So she was going to nursing school. I was playing basketball. We got married. My senior year playing basketball at Dixie State, we get pregnant with our first kid. Uh, we named him Riggins from a famous TV show called Friday Night Lights. Tim Riggins. I don't know if you guys watch that show. Yeah. Okay, but I, we love Tim Riggins, so we named Riggins after that character. Um, I graduate from Dixie State, and my old high school basketball coach calls me. He's like, "Hey, Mace, uh, you got a degree in um, psychology, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, just just graduated." And he's like, "Hey, our psychology teacher just left. Why don't you come interview for the teaching job? You can be on my coaching staff, and it'll be sweet." I'm like. Yeah, that sounds awesome because I love basketball and I want to work with teenagers. This is perfect. Uh, So I moved back to my hometown. and uh, So I'm a teacher and a a basketball coach. I become the head basketball coach for three years, and I'm loving my job. And then one day I get a phone call from this place in St. George, Utah, um, called Nets on Fire, which is a big basketball complex, really nice facilities. You guys like basketball at all? I, I played growing up, yeah. Justin's like raising his hand over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go Magic, baby. I love my Magic. <laughs> okay, yeah. Tracy McGrady, I love love me a little T-Mac, Dustin. Oh, T-Mac was the man. Absolutely. Yep, yep. I'm a Shaq well, guy. Hey, hold on. I'm going to go farther back. Penny Hardaway. Ooh, Penny. Yeah, yeah. Give me some Penny. Penny Hardaway. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Penny and Shaq duo. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. Who's your team, oh. Mason? Yeah, I was a Steve Nash fan. I mean, I love Michael Jordan. Here's my MJ wall with my sneakers. Oh, wow. What? That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, I'm a big MJ fan, but I love Steve Nash. I was a Suns fan for a while, but I'm from Utah, and I'm I just went back to the Jazz, so I'm just a Jazz. Yeah, I was about to say, you got to be like so Carl. Yeah, everything. Yeah, Mike Conley's awesome. It's fun to watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, love it. And uh, All Star Games coming up at Utah a couple weeks. So, ooh, there you go. All right, very yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, so it, they call me this place that nets on fire, and and guys, I'm not kidding you. It was literally like my dream job. They're like, "Hey, Mace, we want you to be our skills trainer. We want you to form AAU basketball teams and travel and coach players." <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" And and then they're like, "We'll pay you this much." I'm like, what? which wasn't a whole lot, but compared to a high school teacher's salary, right. I was like, okay. So I tell Courtney, and at this point, Courtney and I, we have three kids now. We have Riggins, we have yeah. Blue, and our daughter, Frankie. So we have three kids, and I've been teaching for a while, and I tell Courtney about this job offer, and she's like, yeah, like we got to move back down there. Let's do it. So we moved back to, to St. George, and we're loving it. I start this new career, and I'm loving my career. And Courtney starts this new nursing job in St. George that she loves and everything is just clicking. Um, and then every summer, my family has a big family reunion. And this year it was, it's at Bear Lake, Northern Utah. And we weren't going to go because I told Courtney, I'm like, Hey, I, we just took this new, new job. I got to show that I'm serious. I, I, I just can't go this time. Like, I just can't do it. She's like, yeah, no problem. So we weren't going to go. And then last minute, I think it was that Friday, Courtney's like, hey, Mace, you're going to be coaching all weekend. I'm just going to take the kids. We'll go to Bear Lake. It'll be perfect. Like, yeah. I'm like, all right, sounds good. And in St. George, Utah, uh, I'm my brother, my older brother, Race, lives there with his family, Keisha, Rand, Faith, and Ryder. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, we're from Utah, man. So we have weird names for our kids. I mean, you guys probably noticed that. But yeah. I think so, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know it's that was a good Utah names. thing, actually. Oh, you didn't? No. Okay. Maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so my brother, Race, he wants to go, but his wife can't go because of work. His son can't go because of football and other things, and his daughter can't go. So Race takes Ryder, his youngest son, and rides with. Courtney and my kids to the family reunion. So that's why they were in the car together. And I bring that up because when the doctor called me about the accident, there's just so much confusion. And I think originally they probably thought it was one family. Yeah. Um, But then they were learning like, wait a minute, I think this is two families. But uh, so I remember uh, Sunday, Sunday evening, and I'm waiting in my bedroom, just kind of waiting for them to come home. And uh, Race's wife, Keisha, texts me and, and says, Mace, I'm, I'm worried about him. I haven't heard from him. They won't answer the phone. So it's, something's off. Something's weird. My Keisha, I'm sure it's fine. I think it's just traffic. I'm sure they'll pull in any minute. And didn't think much of it, honestly. And I just sat there and probably 30 seconds go by and my phone rings and unknown number, which I usually don't answer, but I answer this one. And it's uh, he says, I'm a doctor from Fillmore, Utah. And Fillmore, Utah is kind of in between St. George, Southern Utah, where we're living in Northern Utah, where Bear Lake was. So probably two hours away from being home in Fillmore. 
So he calls me and he's like, I'm a doctor in Fillmore and um, there's been a car accident. And so I, from Keisha's, what Keisha just texted me, plus that, I'm kind of nervous. I'm immediately worried now. So before he tells me anything, I put this speaker on and I text Keisha. I'm like, Keisha, there's been a car accident. Come pick me up. And in my mind, I'm thinking... The adults are hurt. So Courtney and Race are hurt. The kids are there. We got to get to the hospital. Yeah. So come pick me up. Um, so she's on her way to pick me up. The doctor, he's asking these questions like, are you the owner of the Buick? Are you? I'm like, yeah. Like, what is going on? Like, what's going on? And he says, there's been a terrible car accident. 22 car pile up. Everyone's dead except one person. And so I immediately fall to the ground. Just like where when he, when I first heard there was an accident, my mind didn't go there. Like worst case scenario, like they're hurt, right? That's not where my mind went. I couldn't even fathom that. And so when he said that, it was I was in, you know, the stages of grief. Everyone talks about anger, denial, acceptance, bargaining, depression. I was going through all of those in fifty seconds. I just flipped through all of them. Um, so I'm crying and, and I'm confused and I'm looking at my phone on the ground and in my mind, I'm going, there's one survivor, right? Who is it? And automatically my mind goes to my brother race and my brother race was a state championship wrestler. He did amateur MMA, UFC fighting. He's just a tough, he's just tough. And he just, if anyone was going to survive a 22 car pilot, my mind went to race. Like it's going to be race. And um, so I was picking up the phone and I'm just praying, like, don't be race. Like, please don't be race. Because I know if it's race, my whole family's gone. And I can't do that. I just can't do that. Um, and so he says, uh, the survivor is a three-year-old. So I fall back down to the ground and I immediately know Courtney's dead. My wife race is dead. My brother, my nephew Ryder's dead, who was 12. My oldest son Riggins, who was five, almost six, all dead. So I fall back to the ground and part of me is just, crying and going through the misery of the news part of me's denial just what and then a part of me is like who is it because it could be my daughter frankie who's two right or it could be my son blue who's three out you know we weren't sure yeah and you know i sometimes i forget to say this i need to i should say this though that the guy who called me I'm sure he did a wonderful job. I'm sure he told me the information crystal clear. I was just so messed up going through it. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. Um, sorry, are you going to chat? You can talk if no, you want. Just, just, I mean, how, no one would be in their right mind. I mean, yeah, you know, right? Like, your, I, your life completely changed with a phone call, right? It just, yeah, anything imaginable. And you so, said yeah, it, I mean, how, how on earth are you going to possibly? grasp yeah. what this doctor's telling you yeah and honestly i'd love i i'd like to talk to that doctor just to get his just to get his side of it 
Um, so I'm like, who's, for whatever reason, I thought it was my daughter, Frankie. And I remember telling him, I'm like, that's my daughter, Frankie. And he's like, no, this isn't a, this is not a girl. This is a boy. He has blonde hair, blue eyes. And my son, Blue, does have blonde hair, blue eyes. So in that moment, I can't describe to you the feeling. I thought Blue was dead. And then he was telling me, no, Blue might actually right. be alive. It was so cool. And then I had what that meant was I had, my daughter Frankie was now dead. And it was, that crossover really messed me up bad. And I can't even, I don't really know why, but the moment of, oh, it's actually blue. And then, oh, it's just like, it messed me up. I'm still messed up. Um, so then the doctor tells me that he's, he's okay. He's conscious. He's alive. He's okay. We're life lighting him to the University of Utah, which is a four hour drive from where I'm at. And I'm freaking out because, well, if you just told me five people are dead from this car accident and you're life flighting the survivor, I don't feel good about it. I, is he missing limbs? Is he going right. to make it? I, I, I mean, I mind like Mason, they're lying to you. Like he's not, they don't life flight people who are okay. He's not okay. Yeah. Um, Keisha is driving to my house. And so the doctor says, I need to get a hold of Keisha Sawyer. And I say, Keisha's on her way over here. I can tell her. But I'm not going to tell her unless you know for sure everyone else is dead. Because there's a lot of confusion on the phone. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you don't want to be the one to tell right. her. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Exactly, George. So I'm like, I'm not telling her. I don't want to have a confusing conversation like me and you just had. It's exactly. what I'm getting Yeah. You don't want to compound it. Right. Or, yeah. So he's like, yeah, they're, everyone else is dead. I'm like, okay, I'll tell her. And Courtney and I, as I took on this new job at Nets on Fire, we're living in an apartment. We bought a house, but we can't move into the house until August because the housing market at the time is weird. So we're in this tiny apartment and Keisha knows where our apartment complex is because Ryder would babysit our kids and stuff. But she didn't know the specific apartment. So in my mind, it's really weird because I just be crying and be in denial and then this survivor guy would he'd take over for a little bit. He's like, Mace, you got to get to the main road so Keisha yeah. can see you because she doesn't know how to get to you. So that guy would take over and I'd stand up and I'd walk, you know, 50, 60 feet. And I just collapse in tears again and start slapping the pavement. I eventually make it out to the main road and I see Keisha's car and I run, I flag her down. And I hop in the back seat of the car and we're in the middle of the road. And, and I look at them and I can right away i tell that they haven't heard the news and so i tell them I'm like everyone there's been a car accident everyone's dead except maybe blue and my niece faith just lets out a weird a scream it was a scream but it was more than a scream i don't know how to explain it but she lets out this terrible shriek and just takes just runs out of the car just takes off running and then Keisha so I'm behind Keisha in the car so I'm sitting in the back seat of the car Keisha's in front of me and I just see Keisha's head drop and she says my precious rider um and then I called uh I called my parents and told them and I told my parents like hey you got to drive to the hospital to if blue if it is blue and he is alive and 
we need someone there. So yeah. please go to the hospital. I'm driving. Can, can I, I, real quick too, I think when I was listening to your episode on your podcast, yeah, telling that part, you had said that up to that point, you didn't even realize that Ryder was in the car, right? Yeah. So, so at that point, then you knew. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's just, I tell my story all the time and some parts I leave out, some parts I don't, I don't know why. Um, but I, you're right. I didn't, I did not think Ryder was in the car and Saturday night when I'm done working, I always love to surprise Courtney. It's just, I always love to do it. And I thought about, Hey, like I should take the shuttle, the St. George shuttle. I should take the shuttle down and surprise her and drive back with her. Like, that'd be so cool. Um, and I never did that, but the only reason I thought about that is, um, I didn't think Ryder was with them. So I thought there would be a, a empty seat for me. Right. And, uh, you know, the thing about my brother race, um, really gets to me. The, the crossover with, uh, blue and Frankie really gets to me. And I have a lot of survivor guilt. Like, why do I get to keep going? Why do I get to laugh at a joke and go to a movie? Like, I feel awful. And I feel awful about this because I regret that one every day. Like, I should have taken the shuttle because I think it would have changed everything. It would have, we wouldn't have had enough room. I don't know what we would have done to get everyone back, but probably wouldn't have gotten caught up in the accident. And so I'm glad you brought that up, George, because I didn't, I didn't know Ryder was in the car and I didn't realize that until Keisha said that when her head dropped and she mentioned that, but dude, I'm, I'm full of, dude, I run the what if game in my mind all the time and it's brutal. And that's one of them. I should have taken the shuttle down. So, um, I get to the hospital and it's blue blues there. And I, it was blue is there. And he had a couple cuts on his hand or his head. And then he broke his hand. But other than that, he was totally fine. And um, that was the night of July 25th, 2021 for me and my family. And um, trauma, real quick, and then I'll let you guys jump in. Trauma, I was, before the accident, guys, I was, I didn't, I thought people with depression were just like soft, kind of. Like just, you know, toughen up get over it positive attitude <laughs> oh man i'm an i was an idiot like there's no end trauma isn't you don't graduate from it it's not like hey you yeah. do therapy you take this medication you have a positive attitude you're good now like no like the pain is never going to stop and that's one thing i've learned as i've interviewed people on my podcast there's the pain is always going to be there all you have control over is what are you going to do with that pain how are you going to handle it and that's the 1090 quote, life's 10% what happened. What happened to me is brutal. It's unfair. It's ungodly. It's not right. I was a great father. I was a great husband. We had a great family. It's just life's unfair. Okay. What are you going to do about it? Because life goes on. You're going to have to do something. That, that's so good. I mean, because we all have our thing, right? Or we will. Um, yeah. And you have to do that because you can't just give up, especially as parents, right? 
and so you still have blue, right? And yeah. uh, I know you talked about that a lot that, you know, that was a huge motivator for you, of course, right? You, you got to get up and take care of your son despite everything else. So, well, I mean, can you just like walk through just some of the aftermath too? Like, you know, what, because I, I listened to your episode and I listened to that other one that you did recently with that family that swept away. And I, man, I was just sitting here in my office just crying. And I was just like, because I, I was were, imagining my family. Yeah. To George, can you imagine? Like, for me, like, I lost a lot, but I wasn't there. I didn't witness my three-year-old float away from Can you yeah. imagine? The peep, I, the that's stuff when I broke down. I yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I don't really know where I was going with that other than just... No, like, I'm, I know, want... How, well, how did you start picking up the pieces? How did you start changing your 90%, I guess, is, is kind of, yeah. you know, where do we go from here? And obviously, it's messy. Like you said, it's never... It's not like you just magically got over it one day. I mean, it's still, I mean, it hasn't even been two years, right? It's extremely raw. Yeah, I'm still, uh, I mean, if you guys, I'm looking for advice. If you guys have any pointers, I'm I'm just figuring it out. I'm trying to pick yeah, up man. the pieces the best I can. Um, but people reach out to me all the time. Like, hey, I just, let me give you an example. Someone reached out to me the other day, said, I just lost my wife. I saw her get hit in a car, died. Like, what do I, this, this happened two months ago for this guy, two months ago. And I texted him. I said, I'm really sorry. Like, dude, I don't, after the accident with my family, I didn't want to live. I, I did not want to live. And so the fact that this guy two months from the accident is even watching motivational videos and is even reaching out for help blew my mind doing way better than I was. I, and that's the, that's what I tell them, like, dude, the journey, the lessons learned, all that stuff from trauma, like you'll, that's waiting for you. You'll have that down the road. Honestly, dude, you need to be pissed off and you need to cry and you need to be mad and sad and you just need to feel it for a while and just work on accepting it. Honestly, that, that's all the advice I have for you. You're not going to wake up and change the world in one day, like allow yourself to go through it. That's what I told that guy. Like, and now, so after the accident, I wanted to die um, just so the pain would stop. Because um, uh, it just hurt so bad. And I wanted to die because I was just curious. Like, where are they? What are they doing? Can I, I want to see them. Um, but I can never, obviously, I can never do anything like that because of blue. I just, I could, I mean, how do you leave blue behind? <laughs> you can't do that. And so blue kept me holding on. But then I was in this weird limbo phase. I didn't want to live. I didn't want to die. I was just here. It was so much pain that I would just try to numb it. Like, get me, I can't handle this much pain. So I was just running from it. Drugs, alcohol whatever we weren't going to talk about them we weren't going to look at pictures of them if i'm in the room with you like visiting you you don't talk about them when i'm around no like we're just never going to go down that road ever it's too hard it's too painful no and it was just the worst mindset to have it was and as bad as the situation is it was just making it worse and then i went to therapy and my my first uh, therapy session I had with my therapist. I'll never forget it, dude. 
and I don't know if you guys do therapy or not. I love it. It's helped me. But my therapist, he said, Mace, like if you wanted to go down the road and take your own life, I don't think anyone would blame you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, I'll do it, man. Like, don't kiss me. <laughs> and uh, not, not he's what you're that. expecting. <laughs> yeah, no. Because, dude, this is like the fifth therapist I've been to. Like, I've been yeah. shopping around. I finally find right. one I like. And uh, he tells me this. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? And then he says, Mason, like, you could do that. Or you could take advantage of this opportunity you now have to go help people. And he said, Mason, guess what? Tomorrow, someone's going to lose their spouse. Someone's going to lose a kid. Someone's going to lose a nephew. Someone's going to lose a sibling. You could help them if you want. And I don't remember the other 59 minutes of that therapy session. I don't know what else he said. But I walked out of that therapy session like, you know what? As bad as it is and as unfair as it is, it is an opportunity. And that's what I learned about opportunity that day. It doesn't have to come from something good. It doesn't have to come right. from something earned. It can just come from terrible things. Right. Um, and that's why I started the podcast. Like, okay, well, how do I help people? Well, I should talk about it and tell them how I feel and see if anyone can connect to it. And the minute I started doing that, everything started getting better. It just did like, and I, I've on, I haven't gone to a therapy session in months. I've replaced therapy with like, <laughs> this is my therapy session tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it just is. I get to come on here on your sweet podcast and cry and let out my emotions and talk about the traumatic event. Do you have any idea how good this has been for me? <laughs> so like, yeah. if, if you guys don't like it and your listeners don't like it, I'm sorry, but it's been great for me. So yeah. Well, talk I, this help. I'll, I'll speak for everyone it, who's going to listen to this. I, I think people are going to like it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'd like to talk about two things that you brought up, and then I, I think maybe let's just open it up and start having conversation. Yeah. But sure. one point you made in your episode, and I don't know when you filmed it. It was, it was a while ago. It was your second episode. But you, you made a point about, you know, because people would be like, oh, you know, I never could have done what you've done. I never could have survived that or whatever, right? And you, it, it was something effective. You said, you know, that's – I felt this amount of pain and that's my like limit, you know, in my life, but everyone has their equivalent in their life. Um, and, you know, you said that you think most people could do it. Right. And I think it was just, for me, it was really good perspective that uh, one to not like judge others in terms of what they, how much or how little they've maybe dealt with, but also to um, kind of have that self-awareness that, you know, life may hit you at any, like yours was a phone call. You went from having a family to a doctor talking to you and they were all gone like that. And I mean, that could happen to any of us, you know, and it, uh, hopefully not, but you know, we don't know what tomorrow brings or even, you know, five minutes from now. And, um, I, I, I don't know if you, if you could just expand on that. Cause I, when, when I listened to that part, I was just like, wow, that's, that is awesome. That's someone who's had that much happen. And it's that recent already is able to share that perspective because um, I, I think that's something that isn't out there in the world enough. Uh, and so that really stuck with me. Yeah. I think what well, the first part of it, and Sam talks about this a lot too. Like we have this weird thing in mental health where we like compare traumas, like yeah, compare and it's just weird. Like, what are we yeah. doing? <laughs> like, it's just bad for everyone. Let's just agree on that and then help each other. Like, but you're right. Like it is this weird, we like, 
just like everything else we do, though, like we always compare ourselves to the other guy, right? It's just human nature, I think. But Sam and I, we hate that mindset at 10. It's not what it's about at all. And I hate it because, and I, I totally get it. When someone tells me, and people tell me it almost every podcast when I have them on our podcast, they say it like, hey, I lost my brother, but nothing compared to what you, I don't. That makes me feel like an alone no one understands. I don't like that. Don't right. tell me that. I don't like to hear that. It's not comforting. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm like, we're more similar than you think. Cause like you said, George, like you only know the extent to your max pain. That's all we have. And it, that's going to be different for everyone, but it's very similar to the fact that this is as far as we've been pushed. Right. This, this is as far as we've gone. Let's talk about how it's similar and help each other out. And then Dude, if you were to tell me before that accident, hey, you're going to lose Courtney, you're going to lose Riggins, you're going to lose Frankie, you're going to lose your brother Race, you're going to lose Ryder. And then a year and a half later, you're going to be a, a public speaker and a podcaster. I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? I would, I would just, I would, if that happened to me, I would probably just implode. I would just die probably. But here I am. And that's something I learned is, and I honestly think, guys, I honestly think this. If everyone went through the same thing I did, I think most people would be handling it just as well. I think some people might be handling it maybe a little worse, maybe a little better. I don't know how you even measure that, but just for right. the idea of it, I honestly think that's how it is because that's how I thought. There, there's no way I could go through something like that. But that's life. Yeah. And when life gets hard, you can do it, dude. Whatever it is you're going through. You can get through it. You can. At least I'm a believer that you can. Because I didn't think I could go through something like this. And I'm still here today. So. Awesome. Well, one, thank you for coming here and just being very transparent. Um, and, of course, we're all sorry that this happened to you. But I respect you very much for, um, you know, using it for good. Like your therapist challenged you. And, um you give perspective, right? So I think when I was listening to this and I was thinking about everything that um, you and Sam have both shared in, in your podcast, um, you know, I've heard it said that like experience is the greatest teacher, but I disagree. I think it's perspective that you gain from said experience because if you have that experience and do nothing with it, it's worthless, right? But yeah, I love that. I'm that able to gain, perfect. like I'm able to piggyback off of what you went through. And like, you know, I, I thought for a minute, holy cow, what if that was my family? Like, what would I do? And so now I have a greater appreciation for like, okay, I'm not going to complain about this stupid thing that's bothering me because I listened to your podcast and like reframed everything for my day, you know? So that's all we're trying to do here too. Um, and I, I just really appreciate you coming on and uh, I'll stop now. And I think um, you yeah. kind of covered the gist of your story. Obviously there's a lot more there, but um, you know, guys, what you got for, for Mason? Yeah. I I love that you've come on and that you're sharing your grief because I, one of the things that I've always learned is that when we share our griefs together, um, our lens that we look through uh, in life, it adjusts and we can learn from one another's um, hardships. And man, I've just got to say, man, you're, you're super courageous. Um, every, like you said, everybody um, is hammered on the anvil of life. And I feel like the strongest and best tempered swords are the ones that have struck the hardest and that have been in the 
the, the, the biggest fires. And I feel like you're one of those people at a, at an earlier age than you should be. And so for you to come on and to help strengthen other people, man, I just, just want to say that's, that's courageous, man. And I, I respect and appreciate it. And I, man, when you said that people compare their, their grief, that's such a, a beautiful thing to think about. Cause it's so true, especially with men, they, they stuff it down and they, they push it aside or they try to ignore it and it eats them up from the inside out and they discredit or dismiss other people's uh, grief. So um, yeah, for me personally, I only know my mountain and I've had trauma and pain that I've had to deal with and heal, but I would never compare it. I would just want to help other people not have to climb their mountain alone. And I think that's why we do what we do, but but yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. So I, I know other people want to jump in here, but uh, I just wanted to say that for sure. No, real quick, can I just thanks? Can I say a couple things real quick? Absolutely, man. And when you're just man, you, you get to capitalize. <laughs> <laughs> no, when, thank you. Like I, I thank you, kind words. But um, honestly, though, what else am I supposed to do? Though, like if I don't talk, when people say you're so brave, thank you. Honestly, I don't. I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I feel like it's my only way out. There's a Robert Frost quote I love that says, the only way out is through. And there's a metaphor of the buffalo that I love. That into the, like, what? it's my only option, guys. If I don't talk about it and try to help people with it, I'm just, I'm going to blow my head off probably, to be honest. Like, I, what else am I going to do with it? What else tell, am I going to do with it? Tell the buffalo metaphor because it is really good. It's a really good illustration. Yeah, so... My dad, he went to this trauma class pretty recent after the accident. And he's like, do you want to do it with me? I'm like, dad, I'd love to, but I'm, I can't, I'm not ready yet. I can't commit myself to that. I, I can't do it. He's like, yeah, no problem. So my dad takes this class and he's like, a couple days later, he sends me this really cool metaphor. He's like, the instructor of our class sent us this metaphor and I think it will help you. I'm like, what is it? And my dad tells me, he's like, Buffalo and cows, they both have this um, ability to sense when a storm's coming. And cows, when they sense a storm's coming, they take off and they run the other direction. Like we all do. Problem happens and we run from it. And what's interesting is when these people watch these cows run away from the storm. So the cows take off. The storm catches up to them because it always does. And that's true in life. Whatever problem you're facing, you can keep kicking it down the road. It's going to get you. It's going to come back and get you eventually. It's, just, it's how the world works, man. It's going to come yeah. back and get you. And so the cows are running for it. The storm catches them. But now the cows are tired. They are exhausted because they've been running. And the cows, they don't stop running. If they would just stop running and let the storm pass, no, they keep running with the storm now. Right. So now they're in the storm way longer than they need to be. And it's much worse than it ever had to be. Buffalo, when they sense a storm is coming, they face it. And then when it gets close enough, they charge right at it and they head into the storm. And I love that, that metaphor because that was me. I couldn't look at pictures of them. I couldn't talk about them. Drugs, alcohol, anything to numb the pain. Get me, dude. I used to take sleeping pills at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Like I'm calling it a day. I'm done. Just running from it. Yeah. And being a buffalo, 
this is what I've learned. You head into the storm. The storm's going to pass over you much quicker. But guys, in a real sense, I'm always going to be in this storm. There's no getting out of this one. Yeah. This, this is what I learned, though. This is what I learned. If you run into the storm, you get the good parts of trauma. You get the gift that trauma has mm-hmm. to offer you. And like I said earlier, like, and I don't know if I said it on this podcast or the one earlier, but trauma is a crappy gift. It's not a good gift you want, but it's a gift nonetheless. And if you run from it, if you're a cow, you're never going to get those parts of it. You're not. And the cows run from the storm and they don't get the rain and they don't get the fresh grass and they don't get everything the storm provides. And same thing with you and your obstacles and your trauma. And like, if you choose to run from it, it will catch up to you. You will be caught in it. It will be much worse. And here's the last thing I'll say about the buffalo. Having the mindset of a buffalo heading into the storm is terrifying. The first few steps as they're looking at that thing, it's brutal. That's why it's easier to run away. It feels good at first to run away. And honestly, guys, if it's a small enough storm, you might be able to outrun it. But if you outrun small storms your whole life, how are you going to handle a big one? Right. You can't do it. But, but this is the last thing I'll say. Buffalo, and I love this. They head into the storm. That doesn't mean life's going to work out for you. It could still go bad. You could still lose the game, lose the girl, lose the job, whatever. Yeah. It, that could happen. That's why it's terrifying. But you might win. Right. If you run from the storm, guaranteed, 100%, never going to work out for you ever. That's good, man. Thanks thanks for taking a minute and going through that. No, I like to talk buffalo. Dude, it's I got so, a big no, buffalo so good, tattoo on my no, cat. That's so cool. Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> we should rename the podcast to like the buffalo. Guys. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Buffaloes. Oh. Good. All right, I think oh, Justin had something he's been itching. Man, to I am here. so glad you went into the Buffalo because I was struggling to keep together there for a minute, man. Because <laughs> I just, I feel for you, brother. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I feel for you. That's all I can say. It, I can't appreciate what you've been through, but I, I can appreciate you. But like, I just, know how, I don't, I don't know how I would deal with it either. Like, I already struggle with. Um, some depressions it's it's not something i really open up a lot about but like there's times where i walk into a room and i feel empty or i feel alone even though there's people around me so um i can't even imagine what it feels like knowing that my son wasn't here anymore because he's probably one of the things that makes me feel because i'm numb a lot in my life and i have been um so i can't even imagine what you're going through man like but one of my favorite quotes comes from one of my favorite people. Um, he's called the Gypsy King. I'm sure you're familiar with him. His name's Tyson Fury. He uh, he almost killed himself a few years ago. Uh, he quit boxing for a little while because of it, even though he's the absolute best heavyweight that's probably ever lived. Um, he had a recent interview. Uh, it was him, Mike Tyson, and um, another podcaster. And he was asking him about his thoughts on life and grief and depression and, and how he dealt with it. And uh, one of the things that he said that has stuck with me ever since, and I, it's one of my favorite like videos I've seen. He says, nothing really is ours anyway in life. We only borrow it. Um, and until we die, then it go, then it just goes, it's gone. The only thing, the only thing we truly ever own in this life are moments in time. 
And he says, right now is my moment in time. But that can go just like that. And I'm sure you can appreciate that more than anybody, obviously. But I think that's that's not something a lot of people think on. And I think if they did, they would sh- they would show more gratitude for the things they have. Because, yeah, life life's not great all the time. It can be up and down. It's, it's ebb and flows. But, yeah. I, I have to say, man, like you, you hit the nail on the head. It's the storm, especially for you, is probably never going to clear. But there's good news that I think you're really going to change some lives, man. I truly believe it. You, you have something very powerful, and I think people will feel for you the way I feel for you. I already feel like close to you because of of what you're going through. Um, and and I have to say that you may be in a storm. But there's always going to be sunshine that will come through. Yeah. No, thanks, Justin. I, can I say a couple things, Justin? Um, and it goes back to like we all have a light, but we all have darkness too. And it goes for everyone. And I, I love that. I love that quote about Tyson Fury. I watched. I think I shared that clip on our 1090 post. He has the accent though, so it's, it's like a little cooler. <laughs> but like, um, no, I think everyone has something to say or everyone has something they need to say and they haven't said it yet and i love stoicism i love the tough man show no emotion like you can't get to me attitude i love it i used to teach that to my basketball players like hey you miss a shot you turn the ball over don't show emotion don't show the enemy or your opponent that you're frustrated. Like that's weak. Like we don't do that. Don't slap the bench when you come out of the game. Don't act frustrated. That's weakness. Yep. And that, like that's stoicism. But I think stoicism is one of the most misunderstood things to me. Stoicism isn't about not being emotional. It's about controlling your emotions and, and using them for good, not letting your emotions control you. And that, that's kind of how I see it. And I, I think, you know, Marcus Aurelius and the Stoicism stuff, that was 2,000 years ago. I mean, it was a different world back then. When they were talking Stoicism, I the vibe I get anyway is they meant like when you're at war or when it's your opponent or when someone's trying to get to you or break you down, be Stoic. You don't get to me. I'm not going to let you in here. <laughs> I'm mentally tough. Yeah. But when the war is over, when the game's over, and you go home to your loved ones, to the people you love, yeah you cry and you laugh and you show emotion. You need to, you have to, or go to therapy or talk to a friend, something. You got to tell someone your issues. It's great to be stoic, but not, not all the time. You got to let those emotions out. If you're, you got to let your anger have a day in the sun, let it have its moment or it's going to eat you away. It's okay to be angry. You know, you know, part of the reason I started a podcast is I was angry. I was pissed off. I used it in a good way. I could have used it to just drink my life away and feel sorry for myself. Sure. But I didn't do that. Stoicism. I love stoicism. It helped me have that mindset of what happens terrible. It's terrible, but I can make something good happen from it. That's good, man. Appreciate that. Uh, Dustin, I think you wanted to jump in. Yeah, absolutely. Mace, man, I'm really glad I got to meet you. This is, this has been a real pleasure. It's, uh, I mean, what you've been through is amazing. Um, and it's, uh, it definitely reminded me, my uh, father-in-law um, lost his mother, uh, his brother, and a few cousins um, to add, um, to um, Huntington's, uh, which is a fast degenerative disease. Um, it's basically, uh, 
you tend to die by about 25 or 30. Um, so it, it's a really kind of crazy thing. Um, and so a lot of survival guilt there. Um, he was drafted and he went to Germany instead of Vietnam, lost some friends to Vietnam, a lot of survival guilt. And he's pushing 80 now and he's never lost that. You know, it's interesting. He'll talk about it all the time about, you know, why me? What, uh, why am I in this planet and not uh, my brother and not, you know, my, my brothers, you know, that, uh, that went to Vietnam when I went to Germany. Um, and, you know, for him, it's, he tries to look at it as I'm going to do everything I can to make the world a better place. Um, and I, I really appreciate him for that, but you know, I mean, you can tell it's, it's not an easy thing, you know, by any means. And I know it's not for you either. Um, but I guess the, the biggest question I would have for you is if, if you could look say in 10 years and say, how, it, if I could have the maximum impact on the world, what would that be? Would it be through talking to young people, you know, in some basketball setting? Would it be, you know, in expanding the podcast? Would it be in helping other people who have dealt with grief? Um, what would, what would your most powerful thing that you think you could do, you know, in the next decade be? I think <clears throat> the most powerful thing I could do is be a really, really good father for blue i think that's my number one goal um and i th i think jordan peterson may have said it um but the idea of if you want to change the world you start with yourself and then your family and then you can work on you know a bigger group after that um i that's where my head's at is I love Blue more than anything. He is my best buddy. He's my hero. I do everything with that kid. And I want him to be a happy kid and have a normal, happy life. And I'm going to try to do everything within my power to give that to him. Um, you know, being a public speaker and um, having a podcast is cool and it's therapeutic and it provides an outlet. But honestly, like talking to you four, and getting to know you guys, um, that means more to me than having like a million dollar TikTok video go viral. That's right. like, and I, like, I honestly started this when I started the 1090. I'm like, all right, 1090, I want to be bigger than Nike. I want to, like, I want everyone to see my kids' faces. Like, I want my story to get out there. And then, as you know, the last, as the last six, seven, eight months have unfolded, one thing I've learned is, the 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 text message i told you earlier about about this guy like hey i just lost my wife i love the 1090 message help me i would rather have that than 12 million followers or likes on the twitter thing like on, like that means everything to me cuz we set it to start the the podcast if if you can share a message and it changes one person it's worth it. That's how me and Sam with our podcast honestly see it. I would rather impact and significantly change 10 people's lives than have a billion views on TikTok that people just scroll by and right. they like it and they move on with the rest of their day. That stuff's just fluff. That's not real. And that's something I'm quickly learning in this Instagram universe where people are just trying to make it. I'm like, dude, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah, it's weird to me. I, that's just not my mind's not there anymore. My mind's not in the numbers. My mind is blue and whoever else can have a significant impact for my message. I want to reach you. 
And I'm good with the other stuff. Yeah, those other people have no substance. Is what yeah. You're saying. Yeah. That, I, I took me a thousand words to say it, but yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I'm the exact same way. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer. I can't change the world, but I can change my little town and my family. And I, yeah. man, that's that. I love the way you said that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jordan Peterson always says, get your own house in order. Uh, and it's, it's such a beautiful thing to actually think about. And man, I just want to encourage you. So, um, man, I love that you found purpose. Um, because in the midst of tragedy, purpose is one of the things besides altruism that will carry you through. Uh, I know it's carried me through many grief and trauma events for myself personally. Um, and then one thing I was studying when I was looking at how to heal, and I'd love to share this with you, is Eastern medicine practices something called uh, rhythmic renewal. And it's just taking five minutes when 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 the the grief or the sadness overwhelms you take five minutes, man, focus on it. And it turns the volume down on it. And that's called rhythmic renewal. And one of those things that you can do, and this is why we're so passionate about our podcast is that uh, intentional time with your kids is one of the best things that renews a person like period. Like you can come into your house drained, having the worst day and you see your kid and what happens? You light up your, your, your battery just goes right back to full. Right. And so rhythmic renewal, man. Um, and then obviously having purpose. But, you know, it's it's such an important thing because I was talking to a um, speaker at a conference last week. His name is Chris Singleton. His mother was murdered um, by a racist guy that came into his his mom's church and shot up a bunch of people uh, in, in South Carolina. And one of the things he said is that we all have a trauma or struggle moment that propels us forward towards what God intends for our purpose. And I, I feel like you have such a great purpose ahead of you, man. And I just want to encourage you that it's it's only going to get better as you get stronger because grief, especially in loss, like the waves are hitting you constantly really fast at first and you become a stronger swimmer over time as you get more stoic, as you said, and um, the waves kind of lessen up uh, over time and they'll never stop like you said but they will lessen so i just want to encourage you man because oh i just i feel for you I, I tr i'm trying to empathize as much as possible and 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 anytime i see other people suffer my natural inclination inclination is to want to immediately try to help them to throw that life vest out so so yeah man practice the renewal i think that would do a lot for you and a lot for other dads that are dealing with that kind of thing yeah i think just to add on that real quick I've gotten good at, because you have bad days. You just do. You have bad days. You have bad moments. And I've gotten good at, you said embracing the suck earlier. I, I'm like, okay, it's a bad moment. It's going to be bad. And I think about all of them, and I let myself cry, and I let myself complain, and I just feel it, and then I wrap it up, and it's back to work type of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah I mean, you go through it instead of just stuffing it, right? So, yeah, before it was like, oh, it's not going to happen. To, 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 to roll off of you. Right. Yeah. By doing that. Sure. No. And I, I just wanted to affirm what you said. I, I think that's how the four of us here feel um, that, you know, number one, it's with our families. Right. I, I think the, the highest calling we have as men, uh, if you're lucky enough to be a father, is uh, is to lead your family. Um, and, you know, whatever else, whatever other thing you may do in the world is essentially not really that valuable if you haven't done it with your family first. Um, 
So you know, I, I love that you said that first. Uh, and, you know, that Jordan Peterson quote is good. Brandon's a huge fan. I think all of us are big fans of, of old JP. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you got you to start inward first, and then from there you can kind of start expanding outward as, as you get your house in order. But that's awesome, man. Yeah. And I, and I actually touched on something you and Brandon both said, Mason. I think grief and that storm, so to speak, or embracing the suck teaches you one valuable thing that's beautiful. Um, it teaches you, one, to appreciate the good moments you do still have. And they're so much greater, uh, almost like euphoric. Um, and two, I think it teaches you and the others that you whose lives you touch, which I can personally say you're touching our lives right now. And I can't wait to have you back for more, man. Um, but I would say that it really teaches others based off of what you have to feel more to have emotions and to actually like learn to feel more of those emotions. And one of my favorite teachers was actually a psychology uh, teacher and photographic memory. He literally remembered my kid brother, Logan could tell me er everything about his life and, and everybody from the class. He, he had everyone raise their hands, say their name. And the next day he knew everyone's name. <clears throat> he was also a Vietnam vet. <clears throat> And he would say, you know, it's good to feel feel the things that you feel and you need to feel them. And he's like, honestly, I feel things at least once or twice a week. He goes, but then I take off that dress and I end this little tea party. He's like, every now and again, you got to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and realize it's okay to feel and feel as hard and as deep as you can. But don't go too far in the abyss. Pull yourself back up out of it and start to see some of the light and the things around you so that you can appreciate again. And he said, it's a constant cycle. And I think you, you, you said that, you know, in a nutshell is that's how, you know, tragedy and, and trauma honestly works. You know, me being from an orthopedic background, I used to see trauma come into hospitals all the time. And it's one of the reasons I, I could have been making a hell of a lot more money than I make right now, but I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't watch it, man. It's just, I feel too much already. Obviously I'm the, the guy that cried on the cast with you. <laughs> Uh, me and you, man. <laughs> I mean, but I, I've, I've always had a big heart, man. And I, and I, I gotta say, I love that you do too. And I can tell you do, uh, it, it makes me feel that much closer to you already. And, and I think you have, you have something wonderful coming for that. So, uh, yeah, that's just kind of what I, my thoughts were on all that. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate that. Dustin, I think you had a question. Yeah, Mason, when you're talking to Blue, do you do you talk to him about his family? Have you guys started to open up and kind of talk about that? Like, what's what's that like? Oh, yeah. Well, like I've said, talking has helped me. I, it's a form of acceptance. It's really healthy. And me and Blue talk about him. And every day when I take Blue to school, we drive past the cemetery. And the headstones are pretty close to the main road, so you can see them. And we drive by and either on either on the way to school or on the usually on the way home. Because on the way to school, I just want to relax and focus about school. I don't want to yeah, break his heart. But <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Usually on the way home, we'll drive by him and I'm like, there they are, Blue. And usually that sparks some type of story about Riggins. Or do you remember this about Frankie? Or your mom misses you. She loves you so much. Ray... Uh, Ray, do you remember when Ray bought you all that candy and Ryder used to baby? We just talk about them. And I, for a minute, I was headed on the road of we're never going to talk about them. And I was, I was trying to convince myself like Blue was young enough. 
Like we can just act like it never happened for him. Like he'll just forget it. At least in my opinion, terrible, terrible idea. Talk about him. And I'm, you know, I'm starting to date again. I have this uh, girlfriend I've been seeing and we talk about Blue's mom with her. Like I never want Blue to forget his mom. I will always want him to know how much she loved him. I always want Riggins to remember his brother and sister and uncle and and, and cousin. Yeah. Um, so we talk about him and, and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's good. And the other thing that my therapist helped me realize, and it's the same thing with communication and talking about it, is he, he said, you need to cry in front of Blue sometimes. He's like, not all the time, not every time, but sometimes you need to cry with him because you need to teach Blue that it's okay to cry. You need to teach Blue that you love them and you're upset about it. It's not okay. You need to let him see that and then cry and then keep going. And you can teach Blue that it's okay to cry and then you keep going. So we talk about him. We talk about him all the time. That's good, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a living memory. Reminds me of um, the scene in Rocky where he goes to the cemetery when he's lost his wife, Adrian, and he just reads yeah. the newspaper to her and just hangs out with her. And I mean, that's, that's how you keep it alive. That's awesome. It's- it's just weird, and, and I don't know your guys' backgrounds that well. And maybe you guys have lost a loved one, but you lose a loved one, and then it's kind of like you buy a blue car, and then you see a bunch of blue cars. Like you lose a loved one, and then it right. seems like every movie, every show you watch, someone's dying. It's like what? Right. And it's hard to watch stuff. I had to get used yeah. to that. I'm just cruising along, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh. And then PTS. I'm like, ah, oh, what? It's hard, man. Like every movie, does it? You guys get that? I don't know. That's just me, man. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, it always yeah. happens now. Yep. Yeah. 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 I, I, one, I appreciate you just being so transparent about that too, because I think a lot that you know. So I, I've got a military background, right? And so I, I've always kind of like wanted to push off that whole PTSD label, right? Because a lot of people just assume, oh, veteran must have PTSD. And it's like, well, no, I actually. Don't really. All my crap is from not the military, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, uh, but I appreciate your transparency in that of just saying, you know, look, man, it just hits you sometimes. Like, and it's not trauma. And I've always said this: trauma is a human experience. It's not like only a certain type of people experiences it. And, um, and to try and deny that is just doing yourself a disservice. So, um, thanks for your for your candor on that one. Um, I kind of wanted to share a little bit of a story yesterday, so. One, I want to say I'm really glad I listened to your episodes before we did this because I kind of got to process my <laughs> emotions ahead of time. Because um, yeah, I uh, did not. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to look like I'm just a jerk who doesn't feel anything. I, I felt my feelings uh, earlier this week <laughs> prepping for the episode, but um, so I was watching all your stuff, prepping to have you on, and, and hopefully Sam too, and just wanted to learn more about you guys so that we could you know have a good episode and everything. And, and I was getting really excited because Justin was like, yeah, he's confirmed he'll come on. I was like, sweet, this is going to be great, you know, and I'm really excited. And so then my wife came home, we're talking, and I'm, I'm telling her about, you know, this this guest we're going to have on and and the the story. And she's like, we started talking, 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 and then she started telling me about a similar story um, that she saw on Instagram the same day. You know, she's like, wow, that sounds really familiar. And, but yeah, it was just really, really hard to hear. And, and you know, and I was I was looking through her page and everything. Well, it turns out she was looking at your sister-in-law, 
and it was the same day that you had confirmed you're coming here and i'd watched all your episodes it's like wow that's, that's fate man i don't know if that's like divine intervention or something but we we, we kind of finally put two and two together but so she, it was interesting because i was telling it from your perspective having watched your stuff and then she was telling it from her perspective um and i was just like wow that's so, I mean, just in, in my own household, right, both of us now have gone through and felt, uh, you know, just the raw emotion and then gaining that perspective. And it was all in the same day just by happenstance, so I guess. That's so weird. That's so yeah, weird. Yeah, I, I just wanted you to hear that because there's just yeah. like, I couldn't believe when she when she finally showed me and we were like putting the pieces together, like, there's no way. Like, what are the odds that you just happened to decide to come on our podcast. And I was like, okay, I got to listen to his episodes. And then the, you know, I mean, it's just wild. So I figured you'd get a kick out of that, but yeah, that was, um, I was a you, you at least that. helped two people. already. So <laughs> yeah, you can, you can yeah it was wild. When, yeah. That's he told awesome. me that I was like, there's no freaking way, man. Yeah. I'll have to tell Keisha that that's crazy. Funny story. Excuse me. Choked in my water here, but um, I, I think I want to bring it back up to the, 1090 if you can yeah <laughs> excuse me um how you know moving forward now what what is like your thought process to make it kind of a daily mantra or just way to kind of keep going and 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 how can we adapt that you know just whoever how can we take the 1090 kind of make it a daily um routine discipline whatever you know however you want to categorize it um I, some days aren't good for me. Some days I, uh, am more like a cow than a Buffalo. If I'm being completely honest with you, not, it goes back to like the stages of grief. You it's never complete even. And that's true for acceptance. That's one of them. I've accepted it, but not every day. I, some days I wake up, you have to accept it every day. It's yeah. not like you, I accepted it a month ago, and so I'm good for the rest. Like, no. Like, I have to wake up, at least right now. Maybe as it unfolds and I go longer down the road, but at least right now, I have to accept it. And if I can accept it, then I can shift my mind into, okay, what can I control? What's within my power? What good can I do? What can I do for Blue? How can I relate and help other people? Those are my good days. But there, I have a lot of days where... I don't do good. And then people hit me up like, I need help. I'm like, dude, so do I. <laughs> like, help you help me. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. And I just want, I want to be very clear. Like I'm struggling and I don't have a lot of, I don't have a whole lot of answers for people. I really don't. I don't have like a get rich scheme for trauma. I think you're screwed. You're going to be in it the rest of your life, dude. <laughs> you're, I think maybe that's the only that's thing you have control right? over is, is what you're going to do. There Dude, I love your gallows sense of humor. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just done, feel bad. well in the military. <laughs> yeah, I just feel bad because I, I, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry for your loss. Life's brutal. Keep That's my message it, is keep going. Hmm. What's your other option? You don't really have – the other option is really not good at all. No one wants that other option. So you, you got to keep going and you got to find a way to make the pain useful. Try to do something good with it. Um, but, you know, the 1090 thing, and me and Sam say this all the time, some days it feels like it's 90-10. Some days life feels like it's 90% out of your control, and here's a little window of what you can do, and it feels really bad. And the whole day you're just trying to push that scale and get it to 1090. 
Um, but guys, like I'm hurting, man. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't have a ton of answers. I, I don't even think, I don't even think I should be giving advice. Other, like if, if you take a swimming class and you want to learn how to swim, I'm not your guy. If you want to learn how to like not drown with a 50 pound weight vest on, then I'm your guy. Like I can show you how to keep your head above water, but I don't really know what direction to go in. And I'm not a great swimmer yet. I'm just trying to keep going, man. Um, that that's that's it dude i don't good luck i love you i mean i have i have one more thing can i say one more thing absolutely so you guys ever heard the quote god shuts the door he leaves a window open type of thing yep yeah look like good motto whatever but sometimes these obstacles people are facing are there's there's no alternate path there's no way around this thing there's no window crack. It, it, this is what you have to face. And it goes back to the Buffalo or the Robert Frost quote, however you want to say it. The only way out is through. And sometimes when the obstacle is so big, the power of opposites, like you got to flip this obstacle on its head. And what I mean by that is I am filled with so much anger and pain that what I've learned is I have to have love and compassion and charity. It's the only way I can beat those emotions. It's the only way out. And that's something that I learned from my wife, Courtney, is love, love and, and charity and service for other people. That's the only way to handle this amount of pain and, and misery, I think, and agony is do the opposite. And that's what I've been trying to do is just love and i've never said no to a speaking engagement to a pot ever i'll speak and when me and sam do our speaking engagements we talk in front of 300 people sometimes and sometimes it's 11 people and we don't care like whatever we don't we'll speak at whatever we just have a message and if you connect with it great and if not you can move on and it is what it is I sometimes there's no window you just have to bust right through that yeah door. it's like <laughs> i'm like looking around like there's no other <laughs> yeah Oh, yeah. I, I love that you touched on the opposites because, you know, um, I've been studying a lot on, on grief and loss the past week or so. And Francis Ward Weller um, was one of the guys that came up for me. who's a psychotherapist that deals with it. And he said the work of a mature person is to carry grief in one hand and gratitude in the other and to be stretched large by them. How much sorrow can I hold? That's how much gratitude I can give. If I can carry only grief, I'll bend towards cynicism and despair. And if I have only gratitude, I'll become saccharine and won't develop much compassion for other people's suffering. Grief keeps the heart fluid and soft, which helps make compassion possible. And to me, I thought I had to think on that a lot because uh, he's a lot like C.S. Lewis. He's very deep. But man, it's such a beautiful thing. Talk, like You're talking about the opposites. They have to. You have to balance. You have to find a balance in them. And it's, man, I'm so glad that you're finding that um, with your, your family, your support, and your love. So, Well, I'm not quoting anybody. This is just my thoughts. But you made me think something, Mason. I, I don't know why this sentence came into my head. But when you were talking about, you know, this is a lifelong journey. Um, for some reason, I just thought the road of memories is too long when you can't forget. And I... I feel like that emphasizes how you feel because no matter how good things are or how bad they are, you're never going to forget. And I think that's a, 
good and a bad thing. It's a double-sided sword because especially with, you know, like you said, you drive by with your son. I, I think you're keeping their legacy alive. You're keeping their memories and you're, you're celebrating who they were in life, but you're also getting to share the downside of that as to who they are in death with your son. And I think that's, that's hard because you're, either way you you don't forget so i man i gotta stop for a sec before i get i get a little worked up well let let me cut in here i'll let you off the hook but and that's one thing i learned about that's another thing about heading into the storm is and me and sam we argue about this all the time on our podcast but to me pain and joy it is the same thing it is intertwined and one reason i believe that is from my experience when I stopped running from it and I turned and I faced it, it hurt. I mean, heading into the storm is not easy. It was terrifying. It hurts. Not fun. Not good. But I went into the storm and it got a lot better. And one thing I learned is when I face it, it hurts so bad. And the pain is extreme. But that's where the love is too. Yeah. That's where the memories are. That's where the good times are. And if I run from the pain... I run from the good stuff too. I run from the love. And so if I want to still love them, which obviously I do, I got to embrace the pain because that's where they're at. The the love I had for them has turned to pain and that's where I'm going to feel them. So if I run from the pain, I'm running from them and I don't want to run from them. That that is such a a beautiful comparison. Or I don't know if comparison is the right word, but just way to kind of sum that up really good. Yeah, well, Justin, that was an assist from Justin, so. <laughs> there you go. Got the alley-oop. Um, <laughs> putting it in basketball terms for you. There you um, go. You know, it was just dawning on me, too. And I, I don't know why it took me this long to kind of, like, make the connection, but, you know, the, the storm isn't just trauma, right? Maybe you have an addiction, or maybe you've done something, you know, unforgivable, or you think is unforgivable to your spouse or something like that, right? Whatever your whatever your th- your storm is, Um you know, just for those listening or who, who will watch this or listen to it in the future, um, you know, you can take Mason's example with his storm, but apply it to our lives. And, um, you know, in my, uh, my own personal experience too, right. I've made some pretty bad mistakes that, you know, I thought it was like, well, I just got to like hide this forever. Right. Or, or, or never, never tell anyone about it. And it wasn't until I turned and faced my storm instead of running away from it, that healing began, you know, reconciliation began with other people, just, so whatever your thing is, whatever your storm looks like, I just love that um, example so much because it is so true. It's gonna you're gonna get hailed on. There's thunder and lightning. It's scary. It's terrifying. It's gonna be messy, but there's also that joy that I, I agree. Um, just with, with my own life and what I've done and been through, um, that is 100 percent what you just said there, where the, the joy is coupled with the pain. Um, yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's what I think. I could be wrong, but that that's what I've experienced. I guess we're about the same age, so maybe we just think alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Anyone else uh, have another question or thing they want to talk about? Mason, do you have questions for us or something you want? I mean, to I, I do, but I don't know. If, like, I I don't know your guys' stories, so I feel bad. Like, I want to know like where you guys are coming from. Probably don't have time for that, but um, no. I thanks again. Do you, I have all the time in the world, so I don't know. If you want to keep going or you want to wrap it up? What are you guys? What are we doing? We we got no timer on this. So we can go <laughs> whatever you need to go. Um, we kind of 
that, that's one thing I like about what we're doing too. Uh, you know, not to, to not to toot our own horn or whatever, but I, we we don't like you. Were, we were joking about this before, right? You did one earlier day, and it was like super structured. It's like you know, five minutes yeah. in, you got to say this, and then six minutes in, say this. <laughs> yeah. and we're kind of like, eh, you know, we're just gonna we're just a bunch of guys talking. Um, but I think that that adds to the authenticity of what we're trying to do here. Like you were saying, I think um, so. You know, yeah, we're we're just we're just processing. We're just trying to be better. Um, sometimes we talk about really academic stuff. This one's obviously a very emotionally focused one, and um, those are all aspects to life. So, yeah, man, we're, we're kind of just riffing now. But um, I guess let me just pull from some of the questions we kind of prepped. I think we've hit on some of them. Um, oh, okay, let's talk about purpose. And I've I've heard some clips of you on like Instagram or whatever talking about purpose elsewhere. So, obviously, your purpose is very clear now, right? You you found purpose from this. But it obviously, it, it took you a while, right? So how do, you know, what, what's a tangible thing that you learned or something from your experience where you finally got that purpose that maybe other people could glean from that and, and try and get themselves back on that? Maybe we can just all kind of spitball on what we think on that. But yeah, you know, like you to, you to start if, if you'd be willing to, and then we can maybe just go around the room on that. Yeah, well, my purpose is the same as you guys, my son, Blue. And, you know, if blue didn't pull through and survive the accident, I don't know where I'm at today. I don't know if I'm still here to be honest with you, but I asked my therapist in a therapy session, like, Hey Matt, you think I'll ever be happy again? Cause I was just so sick of feeling so miserable all the time. Yeah. So I asked him like, you know, is there hope for me? Like, and uh, dude, I love my therapist. He's so straightforward. And he said, Mason, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. But he said, I don't think that's the goal we have with you. And I'm like, okay, what are you, where are you going with this one? And he's, he's like, I think we need to find you purpose. If we find you purpose, I mean, this is the, my therapist is, he works with a lot of heavy traumatic guys. So he, he's been around the block and he understand, he's worked with a lot of people with suicidal thoughts and depression. And he understands it. If, if someone has a purpose, that's one of the strongest things, if not the strongest thing, um, that's going to keep you going. Happiness, that's a myth, man. That, that Happiness isn't a set emotion you're going to be in the rest of your life. Happiness comes and goes. You're going to have it sometimes, and other times it's not going to be there. The, your purpose is what's going to keep you going in and out each day, I think. But it's weird because I lost so much, and I have a podcast, and I public speak. And people ask me all the time, like, I can't find my, literally my purpose. I had a, an amazing purpose for, before the accident. I was a father, yeah. a husband. I loved yeah. it. I loved it. An incredible purpose. I think sometimes with all the technology and you can see so many people doing so many good things now, like crazy things. I think people get caught up in this idea of my purpose isn't good enough or I'm not as cool as, why isn't my purpose as good as that guy? Like, what are you talking about? That's good. Like you get to be a a dad or like it doesn't have to be a crazy big thing, man. Find meaning and purpose in the little things like being a father to a, to a daughter. I miss being, I miss having a daughter. I miss being a girl dad. It's different. It is. It's different than a dude. I would do anything for that. That's, that's a good point. Whatever you are, be a good one, right? Yeah. Like I don't, it, it life is so simple man it is life so it doesn't take a lot to be happy it really doesn't 
It, yeah. And I forget who said it, but you talked about perspective. It's all your perspective. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. You can either want all the things you don't have or appreciate all the things you have. Those are your yeah. two ways of happiness. 100%. And life is 100% perspective. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, like you said, happiness comes and goes. But happiness, in my point of view, is a choice. Because yeah. you you can choose to be happy even when you're you know in grief or in pain. You can choose to be happy even when you have the crappiest hand dealt to you. You know, or whatever's going on in your life at the time, but it's it's fleeting. It comes and goes, like you said. So it, it is 100% a choice because it's like you said, it's it's how you react or how you see the world. It's it's the perspective side of that 90%. So, um, yeah, that's mm, I, I yeah. think it's a choice. I, I don't really I don't chase happiness. I feel like when you chase happiness, it's a formula for failure um, or a formula for sadness, because, you know, like you said, sometimes the world's not going to deal the hand that you want. Um, for me personally, I wake up every morning and I'm just like, man, thank God I've got I got air in my lungs and a beating heart. I've got purpose. I've, I've got something I need to do. And so, like, I literally will take time to journal things I'm grateful for. I start with the small stuff and I go all the way up to the big stuff and I make a list and I just, man, I meditate on that for like an hour. And man, when I go into my day, it prepares me for any bad stuff that could possibly happen um, because I, I, I'm going to offset it with that good stuff. I'm going to remember in the back of my mind, my subconscious throughout the day is going to say, man, you've got this, and you still got this, and you still got this, this happened, but man, you got that too. And so I don't know, it just it keeps my perspective sharp. And I feel like that's a necessity for me because personally, I deal with high anxiety. I'm a, I'm a very high functioning anxiety person. So for me, having that stuff anchors me in today um, because when I look in the past or in the future, I, it just ramps up and I just constantly have to suffer through my anxiety. But man, if I anchor myself and face just today's problems and, and take inventory and the things that I did successfully today, Man, it just it really helps me stay, like you said, stoic or stay um, sturdy. So, yeah, man. Oh, gratitude is something I have to take inventory of constantly. Yeah. No, gratitude. Yeah. Well said, man. I like to what you were saying about, um, you know, don't don't compare purpose or, or you know, oh, my life's not as grand or whatever as someone else's. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people not necessarily loss maybe they change careers or something like that but you know they had they had put so much identity into what they were doing or you know something else right maybe for you it would be that let's just say basketball right let's say you were having a scholarship and you broke your ankle or something and lost it or whatever right something like that a lot of people struggle with that um because they, you know they put all this time and effort into something and then they have to change you know their their course in life or something um and that seems to really shake people today. And I know for me, like when I left active duty, man, I, I just like, I had, I had put so much of who I was into army that was like George didn't exist almost anymore. Uh, and so like for like two years, man, I had to like refocus on like, my purpose is not my job or what I do to make money. My, my purpose is I'm a dad and a husband. Um, so like I you know I I was part of that trap you know I got I got in the rat race so to speak or whatever right and um tying into the perspective I think you just help your story and and what you your willingness to be transparent help me even this week just refocus on like okay 
my purpose is so beyond how much money I make or whatever else is going on in the world or whatever, right? My purpose, number one, is to be the best dad and husband I can be and, and leave that legacy. Because, I mean, I, might, I may be gone tomorrow, you know? I, hope, I sure hope not, but um, I hope what I've done to this point would be worth remembering. Um, and, you know, I think more people probably need to do that. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that and, you're, and, you know, sharing this and talking to people, if they just seem like they're wanting some big answer on like, you know, oh, you know, go be a millionaire or something like that. It's like, no, just, just focus on your family or, or your, even if you're single, focus on yeah. you, just do your thing well. And, um, you know, I think purpose can be fleeting too, in, in a sense, some are, some are maybe universal, but I think some of them are also like, you may have a purpose for a season of your life, <clears throat> but then it'll change and you have something yeah. new. So I think, I don't know if it's a, a cultural thing in, in our society or I don't know. I'm, I'm not a philosopher or whatever, but I think we're, we sometimes we put too much weight on these, these terms that at the end of the day don't really matter. Um, but then they're like taken from us or, or it shifts and, and people just don't know what to do with it anymore. I mean, I, I'm kind of just rambling now, but I, I the, it kind of seems to be woven into what we've been talking about where, it won't even be the loss of a loved one. It could be a minor thing and people just let yeah. it completely shatter them because too much was wrapped in up in something that shouldn't have been. If that makes sense. No, I, no, I, I, I experienced the same thing. I mean, before the accident, I experienced the same thing when my college basketball career was over, like basketball my whole life. And all of a sudden I'm done. I'm like, who am I? <laughs> like, What do I do now? Yeah. Change is a part of life. It's sometimes it's the worst part, but it usually changes into the best part change the part of life man and we're terrified of it but we know it's coming and i think maybe to to wrap up the purpose thing back to stoicism stoicism has four main pillars basically that they believe in and everything else is indifferent so everything else could be good or bad except these four things these four things are always good no matter what and one of those things is justice hmm. and I think a lot of people, when they think of justice, they think of like the movie where there's a murderer on the loose and then you go catch him and justice is served. Like we caught him. Right. And that's like, that's definitely part of it. That's a form of justice. But another, another part of justice that I've learned through stoicism is through your experience, you now have some type of intelligence or you have, you can help people in some way, your unique circumstance. And if you choose not to help people with your unique circumstance, that is injustice. Mm. Like that is not good. Like it is your duty to you and your team or your family or the human race or whatever it is. It is your duty to speak up and help them through your experience. And if you don't do that, that is injustice. And so when I've been studying stoicism, I take that to heart. Like I have, and my therapist told me you have this unique opportunity. And stoicism has taught me that if I don't share it with other people, I, that is not good. I'm not being my best self. That is injustice. And I think that ties in with purpose. And your pur again, your purpose can be small. It might just be one person you impact. But if you can take your unique experience, what's happened to you, I guarantee you there's thousands of people out there like you. The, I started opening my mouth. I got a message uh, from a guy um, in British Columbia, he lost his wife, daughter, son in a car accident from a diesel, just like mine. Uh, another guy reached out to me from Australia. 
1996, his name is Craig. In 1996, he lost his wife, daughter, son in a car accident. I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm not alone. Do you know how, and as sad as it is for those guys, do you know how grateful I am for them? Do you know how, I don't, I haven't met them, haven't shaken their hand, but just the fact that they're out there yeah, means everything to me. You're not alone, man. People feel just like you. And if you can take what's happened to you and find a way to help other people, it's going to help you and them. That's justice. That's purpose. I, I, I like that a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to write that down. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, Mason, are you familiar with uh, Ryan Holiday? He writes the Daily Stoic. Oh, I love. So I've read "Ego Is the Enemy," "Obstacle Is the Way" yeah, is the first, yep. first book I read after the accident. Helped change my life for sure. I've read "Ego Is the Enemy." Um, I think it was the only. And then I've, I'm reading another one. I'm blanking on the name right now, but yeah, I love Ryan Holiday. Um, he's got good stuff for sure. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I've learned a ton from him. Um, actually my wife turned me onto him. Um, she's been reading him for years and uh, what I love is how he describes excessive attachment to emotions as a huge problem. And, and kind of one of the key aspects to stoicism is that we get attached to certain emotions too strongly, whether it's anger or it's so, so stoicism is really, I'm not going to feel anything and I'm just going to be tough. It's more about avoiding those excessive attachments. It's a lot like Buddhism in that sense, right? Because yeah. the Buddha said, you become enlightened and happy by not having too much attachment to material things. Um, and that is always something I've tried to inform my own life on is when I do have my own crises, uh, my own emotional takeovers, you know, with positive or negative emotions. Um, I, I go back to that and I remember that it's great to have attachments to people, to, you know, to ideas, but having excessive attachments to emotions is one of the greatest sources of frustration and sadness. I, I know for me, and I think for a lot of people, um, so I, I love that you've um, you've learned so much from stoicism because it's it's been a big thing for me too. Yeah, it's helped me a lot for sure. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned anger, Dustin, because um, as as somebody who's who's felt some anger in my time, um, anger is a poison, man, and it, it has to be drained or channeled. And for me, the channel is you know people ask me why do you listen to metal and why do you listen to that crazy music? Well. Do you want me to be an angry person? This, <laughs> this helps me with it. This is one of my channels, the gym, you know, things like that, that they kind of helps me when I, when I get those feelings. And I say that just because it, it also blinds you from gratitude. Anger absolutely blinds you, blinds you from gratitude because if you stop and think about gratitude, you can't be grateful for something if you're angry. And you're bitter about everything. And I, I, I would honestly, if I was in your shoes, I, I don't know how I could feel grateful for a while. And I, I think that's probably what some of these other dads or, or other folks that are dealing with the, the same situation or traumas you have are probably feeling. Um, so my advice would be feel that anger, feel it in a large wave, you know, take it, take it on as, as, as heavy as you need to, but end it quickly or channel it uh, as quickly as possible. Because if you don't bleed that out in some way, shape or form, it will eventually poison you and you'll never be grateful for anything again. And I think, I think when you said, uh, you know, you were trying to convince yourself not to ever talk about them, you know, 
I think that's another thing that anger can kind of drive besides grief is, you know, when you're angry about something, you don't want to think about it too much because it just gets you more angry. You know what I mean? And I, and I kind of feel like people that are in your situation are, are feeling the same thing. I think anger is probably one of the stronger uh, parts of the cycle when it comes to uh, acceptance and grief and, you know, all the other uh, different parts of the cycle. But I think that's probably one of the strongest and the most, uh, effective and, and, you know, getting in the way of true healing, I guess. No, I think, <clears throat> dude, like, sp like right, spot on, dude. I One thing I've had to accept and be grateful for is death. And that's one thing I realized is, and it, this, this, I, this might come off really, really weird. I hope it doesn't because I love my family more than anything, but I think about it every day. Like, where are they? What are they doing? Why do they die? How does this all work? What are we doing? Like, what's the point of anything? I just have those thoughts constantly. And um, I I think uh, – um, sorry, I'm trying not to <laughs> – death. Death uh, – I think the only thing worse than my family dying that day is if death wasn't – an option like it if if we don't die like, death is everything it gives beauty and meaning and purpose to everything it does and if we take that away everything sucks nothing's worth anything and that's one thing i've had to accept and one thing i've had to be grateful for is death is necessary it's totally unfair and what happened to my family is totally unfair and ungodly and not okay but that's part of the game of life is it's going to end. And I'm grateful that it does because it makes life worth living. Um, so you're born to die, dude. We're all going to die. That's yeah. part of it. And that's something that I've accepted. And accepting that has helped me appreciate every day I get. That's not weird, man. That's, that's a beautiful way to put it. Well, thank you. Because I feel weird sometimes. <laughs> so. it's not, I think it's weird. You're not because, weird, uh, man. No one wants to talk about yeah. it, right? Yeah. It's like this taboo like, thing that no one wants and, to, to discuss. Yeah. That's something that means all the time. Sorry, go ahead. Modern I was just saying, I think that's a very modern phenomenon, right? Yeah. Um, in, our, in our culture where it's like, we, we want to think we're invincible and, you know, we have all this, all this stuff and power or whatever, but I, you know, I've, I've researched like older cultures and stuff, you know, ancient cultures and, and they, like death was, they would talk about it and it was like, their art was about it. And like, it wasn't this like secret nasty thing. It's like, it's just the next, it's the final step, you know? Um, I think we're just really bad about that in American culture. Uh, yeah. So I think that's why it's weird. Um, we're, we're <laughs> by not talking about it or not, ex you know, discussing it like this, we're, we're almost making it have more, you know, negative power. Yeah. You feed should, the beast. Right? You keep yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. I think so. Yeah. So quick question for me. Um, what does your support group look like? I have amazing support for me. And like right now, Blue's at his grandma's house. Um, cousins, my siblings, Courtney's siblings. So my in-laws, um, this, my girlfriend, Maddie, that I've been seeing my parents. Dude, I've had, 
you got like strangers are reaching. I I've had so much support, man. So that's been, that's been amazing. And people are cool. Something this terrible happens to you and people all over the world reach out to me. That like really, really cool, man. People are, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad eggs out there. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of good people, man. Like yeah. people are cool. Yeah, is there, man. if you don't mind me asking, um, is there anything people have asked you that really put you off and you thought, God, I wish they hadn't asked me that. Like what, what can I say to, you know, avoid saying like say to someone who's had a really tough situation like death that, yeah. you know, I just, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. Like what, where have you been like, wow. Okay. You know, when that's people a good question say, too, cause yeah. yeah, that's something people are really bad at. Right. We're, we're, we're also afraid Maybe. to to do that. Right. So yeah. th this will be a helpful. <laughs> what? We uh we did a questions episode on our last podcast, and this is one of the I think the question we got was what's the work or what's the best advice someone gave you after the accident? So similar anyway, anyway. But so I thought I've been thinking about this a lot, and what I don't say anything. That's the best thing. The people that helped me the most, they came over with, you know, cheeseburger or candy, like something I like. They sit next to me and they just listen. And sometimes I'd have friends come over and we just, we wouldn't say a word for three hours. We just watch TV or whatever. I just lay there and then they'd leave and like, Hey Mace, do you need, do you need anything before I go? I'm like, no, I'm good. like, honestly, just be there to listen, give them a hug. There's not a whole lot to say. No one really has a whole lot of answers. Um, and like the 1090 quote, that's a great quote. But I'm not, I'm not, if someone loses a kid tomorrow, I'm not going up to them and be like, hey, life's 10%. What happens to you? Not, no, no, not good timing, dude. Not the, right. No. So there's a time and a place for those comments for sure. But just sit and listen and sit in the pain with them. And then I, I didn't appreciate when people said, I know how you feel. This is what helped me. Even, even if they didn't know how I feel, it's just, it's not what I wanted to hear. Yeah, like that. belittles it, like yeah. belittles yours, right? Like, ah, you can get over it. Because to me, it's like the worst thing ever imaginable. And then they just say, like, "Oh, I've done it too. It's fine." I'm like, "Okay, I'm not there yet." If you like, I that one, I, I liked it when people said, "I can't imagine what you're going through. How can I help?" That's condescending. That's that's what I like better anyway. Yeah. But I just like. Love them, give them a hug, sit in it with them. There's not a whole lot to say type of thing. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think people feel like they need to fix. And then, like, um, if you've been through trauma, like, don't, like, don't get offended. They're just trying to help. I never got offended. It's not like I got mad at them. No one knows what to say. They show up to my funeral. I have four caskets behind me because Riggins and Frankie shared a casket. What do you say to that? No one, no one knows what to say. Just give me a hug. We'll cry together. And maybe down the road, we'll, we can swap some cool quotes or whatever and work on right. becoming our best self. But honestly, you just got to cry and feel it and let yourself be miserable or it's going to eat away at you. Yeah, and so, just to have somebody there is nice, somebody to listen or somebody to just be there and be present yeah, with you. For sure. Um, I wanted to touch back on one thing real quick. So you guys were talking about death and, and, you know, how it has its beauty and it's, it's terrors, so to speak. But I think one of my favorite, so I'm a big book nerd. Um, I love fantasy stuff and Tolkien's <laughs> one of my favorite writers. You love Sam, dude. Uh, oh my God, man. So that, I think my favorite scene 
from all of the extended Lord of the Rings is when Pippin says, I didn't think it would end this way when they're about to go into the war, the great war. And Gandalf says end. And then like he goes into, no, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we all take uh, or all one that we all must take. Uh, the gray ring curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver grass. And then you see it. And, you know, he, Pippin's like, he gets that glare in his eyes and he's just like, you know, see what, you know, and then he says the white shores and beyond and then goes into that speech. And I think that was probably to me, one of the most beautiful cinematic moments, just because I never had really given death much thought uh, because we hadn't really had lost somebody until, you know, later after that film uh, that was close to us, but just, just the way that they described it, even if you've been around death, it, it just kind of lets you know that like, there's so much more beyond that. And, and there is hope beyond this because it's not the end. And I think that was the point he was making that death is just the beginning. It's not the end of your journey. Like there's so much more. And just to know that we'll be eventually reunited just gave me comfort uh, moving forward in my life personally. But I mean, I know, like we've said, you're in the suck in the moment, but just to stop and think about that, that's not the end for anybody or for your loved ones. It's just, that's a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to rewatch that movie. I, it, we were describing it, it was kind of coming back to me, but yeah, like, I get into that stuff too, like movies. I, I, I like get emotional about that stuff now. I'm all like, I'm kind of corny about it sometimes. <laughs> no, I just, not like, yeah, dude, like, get, it just gets to me, man. So, no, I think yeah. that's a good analogy. I can relate on the the movies get to you to, you know, with my situation, like having a, an 11 month old, I'm finding the last year, I'm like, oh my God, I'm crying at commercials and like, <laughs> like what happened to me, man? I went soft. Like I can hear David Goggins in the back of my mouth, stay hard, you know, but like <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, I'm like, my God, I just yeah. love my son, you know, so I don't know. Like kids just make you feel that being a dad just changes you. And I, I think that's, that's cool. You know? Yeah. That's great, man. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mason, I'm going to bounce. I got uh, early surgeries tomorrow. Um, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again. Uh, yeah, we, uh, get to chat again soon. Um, if you ever make it down to Florida, you going to Disney, anything like that, uh, come stay at our place. We're close. We'll go see a magic game. Hopefully Utah will be playing uh, the magic and we'll kick it off. Guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Good night. Thanks, Dave, see you, man. Um, so I wanted to go back to the support group type stuff. We were talking about how, you know, guys were bad about, you know, sharing and talking about things. So, you know, I, I went to a place called Mighty Oaks and they like their motto is no man fights alone. Um, and so thankfully, you know, I've got these guys here who do this podcast with me, but you know, we're, we're talking all throughout the week, even though we live in different parts of the country and you know, something will happen. And I'm just like, you know, I'll just dump with them, you know, on whatever's going on and where I'm in my own headspace. And, you know, it's like, it's a good constructive place for me to you know, get some real feedback from either they'll tell me I'm wrong or be like, hey, man, or they'll be there with me in it, right? Because we know each other really well. So, you know, I assume you've got a little bit of a, a small tight-knit group there where you've got that too. Sometimes, you know, I'm sure you've got a friend who kind of says, hey, Mace, you need to like pick it up today or whatever. But, I mean, can you just talk through that a little bit too? Because I think that that's, um, you know, as men, I think we need to be much more intentional about having real other guys that you can, fight in because they understand you 
man to man in in ways that no one else is going to um and i think that that's something our culture does really horribly actually it's kind of like you know oh man just suck it up you know everyone else can have problems but not you so yeah. talk us through like you don't have to name names or whatever I, I assume sam is probably one of them but um you know how, what does that look like out now that you're a little bit further away from the incident itself and what's what's kind of your daily um you know fight club or whatever you want to call them the guys who kind of help you out yeah. dude I, I have a lot honestly and I, I don't want to start naming people because I'm just going to leave a lot of people off. But Sam def, Sam was there the night I went to see Blue in the hospital. Sam was there in the hospital room when I got there. Um, I got incredible friends. and But the support group thing, and I don't want to sound like this goes to ego as the enemy type thing. I don't want to sound like whatever here. But if you want to – I earned the support group. It was me because I opened my mouth and I asked for help. And I talked. You're, it's not going to come to you. People will help you. You can't do things alone. I'm, I, we over me. I'm with you. I, I get that. But at the end of the day, no one's truly coming for you. It's going to have to be you to stand up and ask people for help. And asking for help is sometimes the most macho, manliest thing you have to do. It is. Like... <laughs> It's the most backwards thing from what you think, but you have to ask someone for help because you need not it. agree more. That's all. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And and I just wanted you to say it too, right? Because I think yeah. you, by by the nature of what you've been through, gives you now a certain level of authority to talk about these things that you know we can say that we do, but you know, people like sounds messed up. People like to hear people have been through extraordinary things, good or bad, right. to relate to. And so, you know, sure. you can use that now to affirm other guys out there that, like, you got to stand up. You got to raise your hand. You got to say, I need a hand here. And the, yeah. the key that I'd like to make there is with with the right people, right? You don't go – you got to go find someone that is – maybe it's family, maybe it's not, whatever. They, they need to be someone that is actually going to, like you said – Probably just listen at some points. Other times they need to hold you accountable. But if you don't go to them, they'll never know, right? How would right. they? So. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm kind of glad you said help because it reminded me of this uh, short I saw not not even a day ago. Uh, it was this warrior who went through all this stuff. It was like a little short film, and it was really interesting, very cool, and very you know pleasing to the eyes. And like he was this total. BA, you know, and uh, he just like went through this entire like span of his life. And then this little boy uh, walks up to him because this warrior's kind of got his head down and he looks sullen. And the, the little boy uh, asked him, he said, what's the hardest thing for you to say right now? And the warrior looks to him and he says, help and puts a hand out. And I think that's a perfect representation of where men are today in society because it's so hard to stop and say help because either a they're too busy b they're they're too stricken by grief or loss or whatever or c they bury it and i think that's the worst thing to do is burying it and i'm guilty of that i think everybody all the men in this room are um but you know i I think that's something that you had said at the beginning was you know men need to open up more about about you know their their troubles and their anxieties and everything, because talking truly does help you with that. But I, I think the first step and the hardest step is just saying help. 
for so. sure. And, and there's a time and a place. Um, like I don't want to be a crybaby. I don't want to be a woe is me guy. I don't want that. I want to, I love that stoic aspect. Like you, you gotta be the tough guy at times for sure. So you got to go to work. And when it's yeah. time for the deadline, when you're, when the big promotion is available, you can't just play the trauma card then. Like when life gets hard, like, no, like you got to do it still. You know what I mean? So like, there's a time and a place to, to, yeah, I'm really hurting and I need help, but not when you, ha- it's time to get shit done or the big things do tomorrow. You can't play that card at that time. Cause yeah. if you do, if you play the trauma card, like, could you imagine like if I started a job or a career and then when it got tough, I said, Oh, I lost my family a couple years ago, so I can't do it now. No, no. That that is disrespectful to everyone, including the people who have passed away. That's the most disrespectful thing I could do to my wife and kids and brother and nephew. I I truly do. Using them as an excuse, yeah. No, they wouldn't they wouldn't want that. Absolutely not. So there is a time and a place, like, hey, like, don't talk about it right now. Like, we gotta get this done right now. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. you've got to find healthy avenues to talk to people and, and form that support group like you guys are talking about for sure. Yeah, and it's not like compartmental, yeah, compartmentalization. That's, mm-hmm. that's a mouthful. Um, it's self-leadership, right? And so it's, you know, when, when you're, you know, parenting or your, your work or whatever, I mean, there's, like you said, time and place. I think that's, people need to remind themselves of that too. And so there is a time and place for vulnerability. Right. And I'm struggling. And so get through your work day and then you get home, talk to your spouse or friend or whatever. That's the time to decompress. Right. But for sure. Um, you can't just quit life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, no, yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And, you know, unfortunately we vent about this all the time in our, you know, texts and stuff is the, the victimhood mentality is just so rampant in our culture today. Oh, yeah. and, and I don't know why, how it started. Cause you know, just look back even a few generations, right. When in world war two and you know, all these, the greatest generation and all this kind of stuff. And, and then like fast forward 80 years and here we are. And it's, you know, people love to be a victim. Um, yeah. And all you do is you just trap yourself and it, it never, you're like worse than the cow somehow, because you're also like making a big fuss right. about it. The well, whole time, and you, you know? just like, I don't want to, I don't want my identity to be my trauma. I don't want to walk yeah. into a room and everyone's like, Hey, like, like, no, I, I, I'm a normal guy. Like, give me a high five or make fun of me or whatever. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to, you don't want to become, and if you blame it on your trauma, if you play the victim card, that's all you're ever going to be is the, that's it. It's your whole life. Yeah. It's going to own mean, Well, then it owns you, right? Like, you're like slave. Yeah. You're putting yourself in your own thing. prison. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Prison. And those, yeah. those people that, you know, George are talking about that we clearly know who they are in society when we won't name names, but those people are, are literally putting themselves in their own prison where they continuously get this treatment because of that. And it's like, if you just stood up and changed some things and, and face some things, it, life could change for you, but they just, like you said, they're buffalo. not taking, yeah, they're, they're not being, they're being cows. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to when something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you, let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. And, uh, yeah, the, the victim mentality, letting it destroy you is definitely the number one option for a lot of people, for sure. Hey, hey, buddy. 
Hey, what's up? Hey, buddy. <laughs> okay, Welcome to the rock show. On. Give me a rock on real quick. Give me a rock on. Come on. <laughs> we make fun of your daddy, but he's wearing a Metallica yeah. sweater, so we can't yeah. say anything. <laughs> That's blueberry. Nice. I was to say, I it looks it. like uh, it's probably time for, for bed and, and wrapping up, right? Yeah, probably, if that's all right. Sorry, <laughs> Yeah, guys. man. Well, Absolutely. Hey, no, man. We'll call it a night on that. Any, I guess before you go, any closing thoughts or anything you just want to leave us with, and then we can we can call it an episode. Don't, I, don't, I don't know what uh, your viewership is. I don't know how many people follow your stuff. Uh, just keep – I love what you guys do. Keep going, man. If, one, if you help one person, it's worth it. I hope you guys never run into the grind of, I don't think we can do the podcast anymore. I hope you guys keep doing it, man. Um, this was awesome. Thank you. Uh, let's do it again. Maybe we can get, maybe you guys can get Sam on just do Sam or Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It. Thanks, Mason. Mason thanks for your time. It, I think I speak for everyone here. Just this is, this gets us so excited, man. So Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on and, um, I'm definitely a fan of your podcast now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, sure. Thanks for paying I'll it back. I'll be a listener, man. Let's stay in touch for sure. Absolutely, yeah, man. Absolutely, man. All, All right, right man. well, you go take care of your son and put him to bed, and we'll do. have a great rest of the week. All right, you too, guys. Thanks so much. All right, take care, Mason. Thanks, Later, Mason. See you. All right, everyone. Well, that's going to end it. Big thanks to Mason. And uh, sorry, Sam couldn't be here, but check it out, the 1090 podcast, www.the the. 1010 and then 90 spelled out n i n e t y.com that is their homepage they're on spotify all that kind of stuff they have some incredible episodes um just they do great things so go check them out give them some love and uh, appreciate you guys being here tonight we're going to call it a night and uh we'll see you in 2 weeks for our next episode which would be february 15th 15th so february 15th about then so we'll see you then everyone take care Thanks for watching this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.